somebody who has a, a pretty dependable, good van. We're going to be needing a freeway van for the Freeway Women's House when we close on that. So if you know, I'm going to be making some phone calls this week. If you know of anybody who has a good, reliable transportation, a van, and would like to donate it or wants to buy one or whatever, let Mike and Kim know. Let Mike Simons know or Mike Estelle uh, know. And then lastly, I know we have a whole bunch of babies coming here in the next few months to Crossbridge. I'm excited about that. We can add another one to that list, Ace and Alyssa. So that's exciting news. Exciting news. I always say, like, hey, listen, either go share the gospel with people and make new disciples or have some babies. And we're, we're pretty successful at both, church. We're pretty successful at, at both. So, all right. Uh, if you, oh, one more thing. Mike, Mike Simons, there's a freeway uh, fireworks thing tonight. Uh, there should have a flyer or an announcement on it. Freeway fireworks show. There's the address in Fairgrove tonight. It's tonight. So if you want to go, 6 o'clock, if you want to go watch some fireworks tonight, there it is. So anything else I forgot? What is that back there, Brian? Oh, the freeway fishing. I haven't gotten a flyer on that. Where's the flyers? We got a deal on it? He's holding up the one flyer. When is it? Tell me when. It, July 22nd, the freeway kids fishing day at the ranch. What time they got to be there? 9 a.m., kids, July 22nd. Give me a flyer, so, and I'll add it to my announcements next week, if you would. All right, anybody else? I had another hand. Yes, sir. No men's Bible study, no men's Bible study tonight because of the fourth, fellas, so no men's Bible study tonight. We will have church Wednesday night, though. We're going to finish up a great lesson on the tongue, and I, it was on lying. Mike's going to finish up lying and, and honesty. It was a really good lesson Wednesday night. We had some good discussion, so come Wednesday night. Anything else? July 14th is the women's freeway meeting. Here at the church at 6.30, July 14th, the women's freeway discipleship meeting at the church. July 14th at 6.30. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand, let's take up our morning offering and have our worship time today. And we'll bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that we're here today, Lord, to worship you. And Lord, I, I pray that when we give back, we give you our best, God, and, and you use it, that, this this. Uh, everything that's yours this morning to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be shared not only on a local level, but it funds our missionaries around the world, uh, Lord, and that people will be saved. And so, God, we love you today as we give back. It is an act of worship. Be with us as we lift our, our voices in song and our giving this morning. In all things, Lord, we love you and thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
slow sorry we got trying to figure this beatbox thing out but there you go Ch uh, chief preacher all right Ryan. thank you guys turn in your bible to genesis chapter 6 if you would let's uh, honor god's word together genesis chapter 6 verses 8 8 through 22 genesis 6 8 through 22 It says, but, the, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And behold, and, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it, with, finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which there, there is breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. On the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the earth according to its kind, two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded them. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. There's so much here this morning, God. I don't, I don't know that I can even do it justice in preaching it, but uh, Lord, I pray that you just remove any distractions from myself and let it not be anything that uh, is my opinion coming out today, but just your word. And I pray, uh, Lord, that you will use this to, to not only enrich the brothers and sisters, but bring salvation on the lost. It's in your name I pray. Amen. <coughs> you may be seated. So, last week, um, we started Noah, and we're going to finish Noah up today. There's so many, I mean, I, honestly, I could probably stay in Noah for two or three more weeks, um, but if we're ever going to get through every Bible character, we'd be doing that for 10 years. So, I, I want to I wrap it up, uh, hopefully this week, uh, but we, last week we talked, just to kind of get you caught up, if you weren't here, we looked at the reason God was so upset at the world and wanted to destroy it in the first place. And that was sin. And how that sin came in at the beginning in the, in the Garden of Eden. And, and God was very, very angry that Adam and Eve had sinned and disobeyed him. Because of their sin, now the whole world was thrust into sin and ultimate penalty of death. Uh, and, and verse 5 in, in chapter 6, it says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intentions of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. So all that people on the earth were thinking was evil. They were continually just doing evil and evil and evil. And it was just evil. Uh, so all the intentions were just sin and evil. And, and last week we talked about how that sin, uh, even today, it, it started in the Garden of Eden. And even today only, only fits into three categories. We talked about the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so... We're at this point where, in this passage, God is not happy. And he is absolutely ready to destroy the world except and everything that has breath, that breathes the, the breath of life. So everything that breathes oxygen, God's going to destroy, except for one man. Except for one man and his family, and that's Noah. And it tells us why. In verse 9, it says that he was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And so in verse 13, it says God's going to destroy everything, and he gives instructions to Noah on what he wants him to do. He gives him some instructions on how to build the ark and what to build and how to build it. And it says that Noah, uh, he's going to bring flood, uh, flood wa uh, of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. And he's gonna, he's, everything's going to die. And, but he gave Noah some instructions on how to build this ark. How many of you have been to the ark encounter in Kentucky? It's just south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Several of you. Okay. We've been to it. I tell you guys, take a little weekend trip if you, if you can. Uh, it's not too far of a drive. What we did is we drove down to Paducah, Kentucky, crossed the river at Cairo, Illinois, and went into Paducah, Kentucky. It's beautiful. And then we took the drive all the way through up through Kentucky and looked at the pretty horse farms and the bluegrass. And I'm not getting into all that, but I am going to get into all that because it's God's creation and it's beautiful. That's not the quick way to go. The quick way is to go to St. Louis and cut across. But it's a beautiful drive. So take a weekend and go to the Ark Encounter if you can. It is amazing. It is a life. Ken Ham, who is uh, the director of the Creation Museum, uh, in Cincinnati, he built this, had this ark encounter built, and it's according to the specifications of Noah's ark. And when you pull up, you see it for miles around, and you're like, whoa, this thing is huge. And on the inside, it has all these different displays of how Noah 
would have fed, potentially would have fed the animals and watered them and how the wastewater would have came out and all this stuff. And to think that he didn't have, he didn't have power drills and all that stuff. He did this by hand. It's amazing. It's amazing. And to think that Noah did all of that and was obedient. He was obedient to God. He trusted God. He believed in God. So he, he got, God, back up just a little bit. God tells him, bring every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep alive with you. And he tells them, they shall be male and female. Now, right when I read that, I'm like, I'm putting on the brakes for a second. I'm putting on the brakes. Because here's a side note. It's amazing that God, in his word, back in the beginning of creation, was pretty clear that there's only two genders, male and female. And this seems very obvious for me to say this morning, but many in our society are rejecting science and God's word and choosing basically a mental illness of gender confusion. And guys, this shouldn't be a confusing topic. It wasn't a confusing topic to God. God didn't have to explain it to Noah a second time. He said it once, and Noah knew exactly what he meant. Bring in two of every kind, male and female. That was a side sermon, okay? Here's the meat and potatoes of the message. Verse 22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God had commanded him. He was obedient. The first thing I want to point out about Noah, and we're going to look at Noah was his righteousness. God says in verse 9 that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. What a compliment. When you read that verse, you think about the compliment that Noah got from God. You know there's only three men in the Bible that says they walked with God. Anybody know the other two? Obviously we have Noah. Alan, I think, knows. Enoch and who else? Huh? Adam? Well, maybe four. Levi also. I may be wrong in my notes. Levi was another one. So four. Noah is the grandson of who? Enoch. So where do you think Noah started learning how to walk with God and follow God? His grandparents. That's a whole, and it's probably his parents. That's a whole other sermon. But Noah's righteous before God because why? He believed in God. He trusted him. He believed in God and he trusted him. Listen, that's no different than how we are made righteous before God today. Many people think, well, how, how, are, they, how are they saved in the Old Testament? The same way we are, by faith. By faith. They believed in God and it was counted to them as righteous. They believed God. So Noah trusted God, he believed in God, and then he was counted as righteous. Now listen... There's another amazing side note in here that's pretty amazing when you think about Noah's faith. In Hebrews 11:7, it says this about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. I want you to remember that. In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. All right. So how is Noah righteous? By faith. But what does it say here? That the concerning events is yet unseen. That brings up two th thoughts here. Either, one of two things. Either it had never rained before, and a lot of theologians think that's the case because there was a 
how do I explain it? Uh, you'd probably be able to explain it better than me, Michael. Like a, uh, a bubble, almost, over the earth that allowed moisture. Either it had never rained before, or, or Noah had never seen a flood before. It had never flooded. One of those two is, is for sure we know. Either way, God told, tells Noah something's going to happen that has never happened before. And what does Noah do? He believes him. He believes him. And he's obedient. He's obedient to that. So he, he wasn't for sure what was going to happen. He wasn't for sure what was going to happen. But yet what did he do? He trusted God. He, he didn't, maybe it never rained before. And God says there's going to be a flood. He for sure didn't know what a flood was if it had never rained. And if it had rained, he had never seen a flood. We can only get that from that verse. Either way, it's an amazing thing. That's something that never happened in the history of the world, and yet God said it was going to happen, and Noah believed him. Listen, when we trust in Jesus Christ, the work that he did on the cross for our sins, when we believe in his resurrection, when we have faith in that, you know what the Bible says? It's counted as righteous. That's, that's how we're saved by what? Faith. Noah is saved by faith. He trusted God. Romans 4, 5 says this, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So for the one who doesn't work, what does that mean? That means if somebody's trying to work for their salvation and earn their salvation, they don't need Christ. Then just earn their salvation. But those who don't work and throw ourselves at the mercy of Christ and trust in his completed work, that faith is now what makes us righteous. His righteousness. We receive his righteousness. Romans 3.22 says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who what? Believe. So we, we receive the righteousness of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ... That's when you're counted as righteous. Listen, you know what that is this morning, guys? That's good news. That means we don't have to work for our righteousness. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do something to be made right in God's eyes. It's a free gift that God gives us by faith. What is Ephesians 2, 8, 9? A foundational verse in Christianity. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. A free gift of God. Not of works. So no one can boast. That's foundational. Noah was righteous, guys, not because he built the ark. Noah was righteous because he had faith in God. He trusted God. He believed in him. Every Listen, this is, this is why this is so important. Everyone in all history, church, is going to put their faith in something. Everybody who ever lived is going to put their faith in in something. It's either going to be the God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, or something else. Maybe themselves. People all the time use these cliche statements. You know what one of the cliche Christian statements is? You just got to have faith. What does that mean? I like to dig a little bit deeper. What does that mean? Faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in the earth? You know how many people put their faith and trust in the things of creation? 
I, I, it's probably not politically correct, but I call them tree huggers. <laughs> they, 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 they worship the creation instead of the one who created it all. They worship the creation instead of the creator. Everybody's going to put their faith in something, but what your faith is in is what matters. Many people will put their faith in themselves. You've heard these cliche statements like, well, you just got to find your inner faith. What does that mean? What is, what is an inner faith? You know what? When somebody says you got to find your inner faith, your inner peace, that means just be holy. Find a spiritual side of yourself where you can connect with something. Let me say, that's not saving faith. That's not saving faith. I watched a video this week that there, there was a guy who came to believing faith in Christ using very simple logic. And he basically said, he said, you know, I got to thinking about what all the religions of the world say about Jesus. Their opinions about who Jesus is. You know, Muslims say Jesus was a prophet of God. That he was from God. He was a, an amazing prophet. Buddhists, they say that Jesus was just like Buddha, a, a God figure. Atheists, many atheists, they can't deny that there was a Jesus who lived and walked. Even if you don't use the Bible, history proves that Jesus lived and walked. An atheist would say, well, Jesus was a super nice guy. He was super nice who loved everybody and took care of the poor and he just loved people. Hinduism teaches that Jesus was one of many. Christians teach that Jesus, so all these other religions, this guy in this video said, all these other religions talk about Jesus. They all acknowledge Jesus. But what does the Bible say about Jesus? The Bible says, Jesus' own words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So all these other religions say, well, yeah, Jesus is a way, but here's the other way too. There's many ways, but Jesus is one of those ways. Biblical Christianity says Jesus is the only way. You see, and this guy thought, man, there's, everybody talks about Jesus, but the Bible only says that Jesus is only through Jesus one way. He became a follower of Christ. Guys, listen, what we have faith in matters. What you put your faith in matters. Noah could have put his faith in himself and said, I don't know about this, God. It's never rained before. It's never flooded. What I've seen, I've never seen rain or I've never seen a flood, so I'm not going to believe that. If he had put his faith in what he sees and what he could see in his own understanding, he'd have been in trouble. And you know what would happen with Noah? He'd have been swept away. But Noah believed in God. He had faith in God. He trusted in God. And, and let me say this morning, the, the, the knowledge that Noah had about God in the first part of Genesis was very minimal to the knowledge that you and me have about who God is because we have his word. And Noah still had that much faith. Man, maybe that's why Jesus said the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move and it shall move. Man, we're so fortunate. We talk about Ace prayed about thankful to live in our country, acknowledge before the I'm telling you, I'm thankful to live in the part of history that we live in right now. That we have God's word at the touch of our fingertips, on our phones, uh, in, in, in the books. There's brothers and sisters in China. You know how they have God's word? They have to memorize it. They have to memorize whole books in order to have it because they don't have physical copies. 
I'm thankful to live in Marshfield, Missouri in the middle of the Bible Belt. Noah was righteous because of his faith in God. The same way that you're righteous today, putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no different. All right, something else we can learn about Noah. There's two other things. Noah, it says in verse 9, was blameless in his generation. I want you to think about this. What do you think the world looked like in the days of Noah? God says everybody was constantly thinking about evil. It was all evil. It was wicked, it was corrupt, and it's violent. That's what it said in the passage. In the, I did a quick study on this. In the Old Testament, the word wicked, it means a disregard for justice, righteousness, truth, honor, or virtue, evil in thought and life. A blatant disregard for justice or righteousness. Does that remind you of any time that we're living in right now? A blatant disregard for righteousness and justice. Corrupt. Corrupt means moral depravity, decay, pollution, a disobedience towards God. Psalms 14.1 says this, The fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none that does good. It's corrupt. There's decay. There's moral depravity all over. Disobedience towards God. And then we see the third thing. It's violent. It's a violent world. Listen, just last night, I don't know if you saw it on the news. I get alerts on my phone sometimes. It's like 30 or 40 people shot last night in Baltimore. Two of them were killed. Here in our own hometown this week, somebody was murdered. Somebody was killed. I don't know all the circumstances around it. I don't mean to even think that I do. But what I do know is that when someone takes another life, it's a direct attack on God himself. We are made in the image of God. Our children inside the womb are made in the image of God. To kill them, to destroy them, is a direct violent attack on God himself. It's a direct attack. Humans are made in the image of God. That's how humans are different than animals. Go home and eat some meat today for lunch. Eat a good steak. It's okay. They aren't made in the image of God. You are. You are. I, I, th I thought about those words and the society that Noah lived in. I, I, I think at, here we're celebrating the 4th of July it probably didn't much look different than America in 2023, than in the days of Noah. We live in a society with no regard for human life. There's moral depravity and decay of society more than any time in the 200 plus year history of our country when we call right a wrong and wrong a right, then we are inviting a morally depraved society. The amount of violence in our country, just in Springfield, the murder rates in our area are off the charts. If you look up some of the most dangerous cities in the United States by size, guess which one of the highest ones is? Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. Abortion in our country is still an option in many states. There's 10 states in our country that allow assisted suicide. People don't value the creation of God or the image bearers of God. 
But what about Noah? Noah stood out in a society. He stood out. What does it say again? He was blameless in his generation. Noah, he didn't give in to all this debauchery and violence around him. He stood out as somebody who loved God and was walking with God. He was living a life honoring God. What an example Noah is today for us of our lives, how we should live them in this society. Turn to Matthew 5. Here's a direct commandment from our Lord Jesus. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light for all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You know when Noah's building this ark, can you imagine what people were saying to him? Laughing at him? What are you doing, you fool? It's never rained. What are you talking about? This thing, this thing wasn't built overnight. It took a long time for Noah to build. In fact, you know how old Noah was when he built the ark, when it started to rain? He was 600 years old. Go back and look at it. This didn't take a minute to build. He worked on this thing. And the entire time, the people must have been saying, You're crazy, Noah. What are you doing? But what was he doing? He was letting his light shine before men. He was trusting God. When we, hey, listen, it's easy for us to get up here when Ace is singing and their man, they're leading us in worship to raise our little hands, our little paws in the air and say, oh, I love you, Jesus. It's not too hard to do that in here. It's a lot harder to do that when you're out there. You really want to love and follow Christ, do it out there, not in here. Let your light shine before others when you leave here. When you leave here. Live a life shining for Christ in a dark and sinful world. That's our goal. That's the goal, church. That's how you change a community. Here's the last thing, third point. I'm wrapping up. I know I'm short on time. Noah had faith. He was, he, he, he was made righteous by his faith, right? Well, yeah, but he, his faith, he lived out in his actions. Noah had faith in God, but he lived that out. What does it say in verse 22? Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Wow. I want to close with that great example of living out faith we see in Noah. God tells Noah to build a huge ark, nowhere near a body of water. What does he do? He obeys. God tells him to bring two kinds of every animal onto the ark, male and female. What does he do? He obeys. Over and over and over, what do we see from Noah? He obeys. He obeys. He obeys. He's obedient. Noah's faith in God, he was living out in his actions. You know what happened after the flood? If you go up two chapters after the flood, Noah built an an altar and offered sacrifices to God. In chapter 8, verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. He lived out what he believed. He was living out his faith. In the book of Hebrews, we saw that Noah is mentioned as one of the great examples of faith. Why though? 
Not just because he believed, but because he lived that out. James 2.26 says this, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So if we say we love Jesus, but that is not being lived out in our life, it's dead. It's dead faith. If you say you love Jesus, what happens to your actions? They follow suit. They follow suit. You're living that out. You're living that out. Listen, if we aren't living it out, it is dead faith. What's James 1.22 say? Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You can sit in church every weekend. Every Sunday you can come to church and hear it being spoken. But if you're just hearers and it doesn't change your life, it's dead faith. It's dead faith. Listen, we show, we don't earn salvation. I covered that in the first point. We show that we're followers of Christ and we put our faith and trust in Him because that changes. It results in changed life and our actions change. As followers of Christ, believers in the Lord Jesus, our faith in Him should radically change our lives. It should change our actions in a lost and dying world. Listen, that that doesn't mean, what that doesn't mean, I'm closing now. It doesn't mean that our lives are perfect. We still have a sin nature. You still are going to struggle with sin. If you keep reading in Genesis, Noah had a sin nature. In chapter 9, we see that Noah had a problem with alcohol. If you go read it, he did. He was a drunkard. He got drunk. So he, he wasn't perfect. Noah was not perfect. So he needed a savior. He trusted in God. He had faith in God and his actions showed that. It doesn't mean he never sinned. It means that he put his faith and trust in God. And his actions followed suit. He lived a life showing that. That's why he's listed as a great man of faith in Hebrews. Not because he never sinned. I'm going to ask the worship team to come today. We're going to have an invitation. Here's the the invitation. I want to go back to this. Who have you placed your faith in? Everybody here today. Here today, tomorrow, who has already died, who will be born, all these little babies in the future, are going to put their faith. If they reach an age where they understand, they are going to put their faith in something. You are going to put your faith in something. What have you put your faith in? Is it the Jesus, the God of the Bible? Now, why is that important? Why do you say it like that? I covered this in discipleship this morning, my new disciplees, didn't we? Because I can say Jesus all day long. But if I decide to create a Jesus of my own mind, is that a saving faith? Is that a real God? No. I've just committed the sin of what? idolatry. I've made a false God in my mind that's okay with how I want to live my life. Is it the Jesus of the Bible? I urge you today, and I can't say this any more urgently, if you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are going to pay for your sins one day. You are going to pay for your sins. If you put your faith and trust in Christ, You know what that is? You're trusting that he paid for them. That he paid. Someone's going to pay for them. Either you are 
or you're going to put your faith and trust that Christ did. Noah lived a blameless life for all to see. He was an example to a lost and dying world. My brothers and sisters this morning, are you? And when I say you, I mean we. Are we? Am I living out a faith for people to see around me that I love Jesus in a lost and dying world? Am I living that out for all to see? Those are two hardcore questions this morning. Those are hardcore that you have to answer. Who am I putting my faith in? Am I living my faith out? Am I living as an example? Is my light shining before men? If it's not, and you haven't put your faith and trust in Christ, here's the amazing thing. You haven't taken your last breath this morning, and he's giving you an opportunity to do that. You have the opportunity. Get down on your knees and humble yourself before God and put your faith and trust in him. You know, you don't need the preacher to do that. You know how you do that? You simply acknowledge that you've sinned against him. And you believe and put your faith that he went to the cross and paid, paid your punishment. And he rose again, defeating death. And when you believe that, you believe it in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And then you know what happens when you've done that? You tell a whole bunch of people about that. Just like we did Wednesday night, right Josie? We got up here and interrupted the whole class, didn't we? She's going to be coming to Ford this morning. I'm going to get to interrupt you guys here in a minute. It's good. That's what you do. You publicly profess Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. The third thing this morning, I brought you guys up just a little bit early. That's okay. We're about ready to take communion. This is a time where we remember Jesus coming back. But we need to take communion in a right heart. Here's the thing. There's a warning in Scripture that tells us not to take communion. To drink, I'll read it. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is why many of you are weak or ill and some have died. So if you're living in open rebellion and sin against God, don't take communion. Get down on your knees and confess your sins to God first. Okay, that's why we, I talk about this. If you're not a follower of Christ... Don't take communion this morning. Parents, if your children have not publicly professed Christ as their Lord and Savior, don't serve them communion. Because Paul says they're taking it in an unworthy manner. And there's a warning. Okay? There's a warning. You have a time right now where you can do that. If you need me to pray for you, I'll be more than happy to pray for anybody here. If you need to pray by yourself, pray by yourself. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have an invitation. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you for the example that Noah gave us in, in your word. Lord, I love you today. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today's the day that they believe in you. Lord, for my brothers and sisters in here, I pray they confess their sin to you, repent of it, turn from it. And Lord, be, be made clean by confessing that sin. And Lord, we look forward to your return one day. Lord, let us be a light in our communities in a dark and evil, sinful world. It's in your name I pray.
here by herself. And she had the courage to do that. And many of you are so stubborn and hard-hearted that you need to get down on your knees and pray to God. And you're stubborn and won't walk down because you're scared. I'm proud of you. There it is. That's the truth. You may not like that, but that's the truth. A nine-year-old came down here. And you say, oh, I can't get out in front of people. A nine-year-old just did. Go ahead, A. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrow and drink joy.
right, I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning. Um, if our elders would come. So here's what we have at, at Crossbridge. We have an open communion. This is what it means. Uh, you don't have to be a member of this church. Just that you've publicly professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to take communion with us. We welcome you to do that. I'll ask our kids, make sure you're sitting by your parents so they can distribute the communion. What we do is we're going to pass it out uh, here in just a second. We will take it together after we've blessed it. Um, scripture, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper or communion. It is two, one of the two ordinances of the, the church. The other one's baptism. Uh, he institutes that at Passover, right before his death on the cross. And it says in Matthew chapter 26, it says this, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. So as we're passing this out in just a second, I, I would ask that you spend time uh, reflecting on what Jesus did for you on the cross. And, and looking forward also to his return. That there's one day, folks, there's not going to be more pain or death. Uh, sadness, right Sandy? Right Stephanie? No more pain, no more death. I'm glad to see you this morning, by the way. We're, we're praying for you. Uh, and not going to be any more of any of this, guys. Uh, we're going to be in heaven with our Lord Jesus and our brothers and sisters for all eternity. So let's, uh, we're going to bless the bread this morning. I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield if he would please bless the bread. Our, our holy heavenly Father, we love you. And Father, as we take this bread in remembrance of what your son done on the cross, Father, help us to never forget that it was his body that was broken for our healing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
I don't think there's any greater honor for an elder in the church to get to serve the body, communion, or any greater honor for me to get to serve the other elders. This is a special time, church, and I hope we remember this. Jesus said, take, eat, this is, the bo- this is my body which is given for you. Take, eat, and eat. And then Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to ask Max if he would please bless the cup this morning. Dear Father, as we gather here as a body to remember and commemorate and just honor you by remembering the price your son paid on the cross by shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. May we never forget and look forward to his coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus said, this is my blood which is given for you. Take ye and drink. I love what the passage says. Church, it says they went out rejoicing. Before they sing, though, I got a young lady and her family that I'm going to bring up here this morning. I had a, uh, I had a, I love, I just love this family. We're so close to them, and and Wednesday night, well, I had a baseball game Tuesday night. It was Tuesday night, the baseball game, right? Our boys were getting stomped, and I was, I was cranky when they're getting stomped, ain't I? You say yes, yes. I was cranky. I'm like, come on, boys, and then I'm, I'm aggravated at them. And sweet little Josie comes over and says, Abby says, hey, Josie wants to talk to you about salvation. And my frown turned upside down. <laughs> and I, I said, you just made this night. This was not a bad night. This is great. And so I said, well, tomorrow night, Wednesday night at church, at 6 o'clock, you come into my office and we'll talk. And she came in, and I asked her the same questions as I would somebody who's an adult, who's 20 or 30 years old. Same questions. And I'll tell you, church, she hit them out of the park. I mean, she knew the gospel. She knows the gospel. I asked her when she believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. She said she was at home and said a prayer. She knew she was a sinner and needed a Savior. I mean, she knows the gospel. And that is faithful teaching of her parents at home, talking about Christ at home, on the road. It's a testament of raising your children to love the Lord. And so she, she gave me some great answers. I was so proud of her. I prayed with her. It wasn't a long meeting because it didn't need to be a long meeting. I didn't need to get in the way of the Lord at all. And after, at the end of that meeting, Abby and Brian, I, I, I echo this. They said, they took a deep breath and they said, oh, now all of our kids are saved. And that's, yeah. She is a little sweetheart and she is my buddy. And she, she's my little snow cone buddy, even though she doesn't eat snow cones at the game. She still is. Do, do you have anything you want to say? No. If any of these boys mess with you, you come and tell me and your dad, okay? All right. Mama, dad, anything? Okay. All right. What a joyous time for the church uh, and this family. I want you to come around and congratulate them. Stan, it says they went out rejoicing in song uh, after they took communion. So let's rejoice in song. Please be light of mine. I'm going to shine. 
Hey, the ladies will be taking autographs all day, just so you know. <laughs> 